What is up, everybody? It is the Make It Happen podcast. Myself, Nolan Olin, today is going to be an awesome one. We have Mason Borsier. He is a basketball player who I kind of grew up around and then, you know, was fortunate enough to become a close friend of his uh, during the COVID times. You know, we kind of had some time overlapping back home in Kelowna. He's a legend, a KSS legend, you know, from my high school. Uh, absolute baller. Mason's been all over the place. He's going to talk a little bit about it um, in the podcast, but it's been a roller coaster journey for him. But he, he's he's super super driven, focused, and he has natural gifts. But that's not what makes him great. It's it's his attention to detail and his focus. I I tell a lot of people about um, you know some of my close friends about this this crazy guy back home that I I tell everyone they're, he's more detailed than me, and they're like, who is this guy? Well, this is him, everybody. And it's, he's got so much to, to give. I'm super excited for you guys to listen and hear, hear what he has to say. But really, really just be open. He, he really goes into his, his mental health and that sort of stuff. So I think same same thing along the lines with Mitch's episode. We're, we're not sugarcoating things. We're going to, you know, we're, we're all about real on the Mega Happen podcast. So thank um, you guys so much for the support. Please, please rate, review. It helps me get more uh, views on this and immediate, like, we, we want to share this with everyone and impact as many lives as possible and share this with people that need to hear it. There's a lot of good stuff in here. Athletes, anybody really um, looking looking to get better. I think it's awesome. He talks a lot about how, you know, he basically tore his ACL, but in, in mental health terms, you know, and he had to come back from that. So I think, I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff for you guys to get out of here. So thank you guys so much. Please keep giving me feedback. It helps me make it better for you guys. So thank you so much. And without any further ado, here's Mason Borsky. Oh, man. Um, well, started playing basketball when I was about, I mean, really playing like in a league when I was like grade five, grade six. Um, and I was one of those kids that played every sport. So football, basketball, volleyball, baseball, all that. Um, I started to specialize around grade 10, 11. So I picked just basketball by grade 10, 11. Um, and I don't know, I was just one of those kids. I just, I, I learned like my father taught me that everything you're going to get in your life is you have to earn it. Like there's, there's no handouts. And I just kind of drilled that into my brain from a young age. So I worked, worked, worked. And then um, always wanted to go D1, obviously out of high school. Um, had a really good senior season in Kelowna. Um, ended up going to UBC my first year um, at UBC started as a rookie, um, had a good year, like I had a good showing, but didn't think I was doing nearly as well as I should have. Um, two years go by, lots of changes, consistent work. Um, I ended up transferring to Carleton have, after having a really good preseason in my third year at UBC, which was 2019, I believe. And then I transfer, my transfer year, I sit out all the 2019 season. And then COVID hit. So I sat out the first year, then I had to sit out a whole nother year after COVID hits. And that was really tough for me. Like that's where I hit a lot of like mental, personal struggles and growth at the same time. Um, then I decided instead of going back to Carlton after that second year sitting out, I was dealing with a lot of stuff, personal, like just a whole storm of things. Um, then I decided to transfer to Trinity Western, put my faith and put God first in my life. Um, and then Ever since making that decision, my life is completely turned upside down. Like I've always been good and whatnot, but ever since I put God first, I decided to come here. Um, 
it was humbling at first and then I found my I found my footing again and uh now I'm playing the best basketball I've ever played and after this summer I was around NBA guys playing in Newfoundland um yeah I had like literally the summer of my dreams so I had a four-year journey of a lot of struggles a lot of um a lot of hardship and I stayed consistent through that um and I bounced around a lot and that's always that's just as tough like bouncing around a lot is really tough to stay committed when everything's always changing around you um but yeah stay true to it stay true to the promise that God gave me knowing that in my heart it was I knew it was something he put in my heart and um played the marathon instead of the sprint and then after this summer was validation that I'm on the right path and now uh about to start my senior season Trinity Western and it's it's everything's coming together to be be a very very big year so mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm excited i'm excited that's sweet let's talk a little bit about because i saw your instagram post and i didn't even know that you were kind of were going through this but you said in the post like you thought about stepping away from the game like what was that like because you went from that to the crazy game against calgary yeah. and whatever just like popping yeah. off like how did you push through that to get where you are now and really like it was it just your faith or um well it's funny because I mean, we're we're kind of similar in the sense of like because we came from Kelowna to get out of Kelowna, you have to have a special kind of love for for the game. Um, and I learned that like it's like yin and yang, man, with anything, with anything good, there's always a side of bad. And like because I love the game so much, it had the potential to take me out as well mm-hmm. um, because it created so much pain because I valued it so much. So when I was uh after my second year at UBC, I was like, same me from high school, you know, like that young kid, naive kid who's just trying to get to his dreams, working, 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 haven't really experienced what life could do to you yet. So after I transferred from there, um, I just hit a storm of things like mental, physical. I had injuries, uh, dealing with like severe mental illness. And I, I like I was the, used to be the guy that I never thought it was like, I thought it was just all in the head. I thought it wasn't real. And then I really went through it and experienced what it was like when you have no control over your thoughts and emotions and just things going crazy. And then uh, deaths in the family. Um, I had personal struggles from others in my family as well. Like it was just a storm of things and I, uh, no money as well. So like when I hit that big brick wall um, and it was also tough because like when you invest so much time, effort and energy, not just like lots of people work hard, but like when you really like, you know exactly that work that I'm talking about. Like when you invest like everything in your soul to something and it feels like it bites you in the back and it feels like it gives up on you for not just like a short term, but like for a long time. And you were like, wow, like I never got my break, nothing, nothing. Um, and so I hit a moment where I kind of started to resent not just the game, but also God and like my belief and everything. And I was like, wow, I did everything it told me to. I stayed true to it, stayed true to myself. And it feels like I never got the opportunity. So I came to this point where, um, that was right before I transferred to Trinity. I was like sitting there like, man, like maybe it just isn't for me. Like the pain isn't worth it. And I thought if I got rid of the thing that I valued at that high, high place, like, cause the pain was bad, bro. Like it was to a point where I almost like, well, it wasn't almost like, I didn't want to wake up the next morning. Like every day I'd go to sleep, like crying myself to sleep half the nights. Like I didn't even want to wake up anymore. So, and it was like that for like months on end. So it got so bad to a point where I was like, maybe if I just quit the thing that feels like it's bringing this much pain, it'll be over with. And uh, right a week before I was about to, like, I feel like this is God, like, 
this was like a prime example of God in my life, right before I was about to quit, like a week before Trevor, the head coach Trinity Western called me. And it's funny just because it's the one private Christian school I'd ever think about going to. And uh, right when he called me, something clicked. I was like, okay, the only way I'm going to get out of this pit is not by jumping off the vessel of my passion. It's by staying on the vessel because basketball was always my identity. And then when I learned, when I, when, what this process of struggling taught me was that it's a vessel, not your identity. So I realized I'm trying to jump off the vessel that can get me out of this dark place. And that call was like, yo, don't leave the vessel that's going to bring you out of this. Because if you do, like it says in the Bible, when hope dies, resentment creeps in and you start to resent God and all these things that really you need to value. So I was like, okay, what this call is telling me is don't let my hope die. Don't let resentment creep in and keep following this, this passion I got. And so this just gave me an opportunity to restart um, in a place where I could put God first. And uh, so you, we fast forward to last year. So, and keep in mind, when I did get to Trinity, it wasn't all like rainbows and, and gumdrops, man. It was tough because I now had to recover from what I would call like, it was like tearing an ACL, but like in my mind, you know, like it was a long, a lot of pain. And then I had to get to the recovery of like not being emotionally insecure and remembering to not be anxious and not be depressed and not be worried. And um, so that took a few months last semester. And if you look at my stats from first semester to second semester, it's like, it looks like I turned into a completely different human being. And um, I remember it was at Christmas. Um, it was the biggest change um, at Christmas, right before Christmas break started was the first time I ever quit on my team. And I'm open about this because like, this is like the, the beauty and the struggle, you know, this is the, this is the beautiful part of the journey. I quit on my team and it was the first time I ever did that. Like in a practice, I literally just walked out and I've never been a head case type of guy, but it was just like a, a combination of everything. I quit on my team, walked out of practice and it was like, a, I was late night in the, con in the rot locker room, like crying. My coach comes in and just has to sit down with me. He's like, man, I couldn't imagine what you're going through. Like it was the first time I heard someone like sympathize for me and not try to be like, oh, don't be poor me, don't be a victim. Like, you got this, you're fine, you're gonna be fine. Like, it was the first time you sat there and like, man, like whatever you're going through, it must be like, it must be really tough considering it's able to like take you down. And it was the first time I had someone like recognize like, bro, I ain't just someone struggling. Like I'm really dealing with something. So from that point on, I made a promise to myself, to God and to my team. And I had a big huddle with my team. I'm like, guys, this is, I'm never gonna do this ever again. Um, I'm gonna be the best leader you've ever seen. And we're going to make it out because we were own sixth first semester, a team that had a lot of expectations. And like part of it was because me, I just wasn't performing. I wasn't being a leader. Um, and so I was like, I'm about to turn the ship around. We're about to turn the ship around. I'm going to be a better leader. And um, it's time to get to work. And so that moment, I started to believe everything that happened, whether it was a bad morning, good morning, bad practice, missed shot, everything happened. I reframed that happening. And it was like, you probably heard the term reframing failure. So I reframed failure and everything became a positive. Everything became a lesson. Everything became an inch of growth. Every, everything became something positive. And uh, every day I woke up, I was like, God, I'm grateful for everything because this, this is about to be the start of a beautiful story. And it's so funny because like it really was like after I made that commitment, changed all my habits, started thinking better, started attacking every situation better. And I went on to average a triple double second semester, um, broke I broke a record literally every week, like every week of games, I broke a new school slash conference record. So 
I broke the triple double record um, in 29 days. Like if the career record was done over five years, I broke it in 29 days. And then um, I, I set the all-time free throw record at my school. Um, I set the all-time assist record in Canada West. I set the all-time assist in one game record at my school. And then I fast forward to playoffs. Um, and this was cool because this was like validation that what I just went through wasn't just, um, it wasn't just suffering for no reason. It was a testament to God was putting me through that for a purpose um, because in playoffs, right before the big game, it was the first time I ever did this against Calgary. Um, and I sat there on the free throw and I'm like, God, we went through all this together. I'm back. I feel, finally feel like I'm myself again. Um, and I had a lot of nerves because it's like a nationally ranked team. I think they were at the time and we were one of the worst teams in the country prolifically the last couple of years. And I was supposed to be on me to turn it around to me and Q supposed to be on us to turn it around. Um, so that game, I was like, please, like, let me show them that, like, let, let them see all the work I've been putting in. Don't let them think like what the outside world has seen is the true me because no one understood who I really was. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to work as hard as I could for God. And I ended up putting up 41, 13, and 12. And it was probably like one of the best performances in esports playoff history. Um, and then after that, I just had this moment of like pure gratitude, like pushing through the tough times. And uh, it was like a, 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 like a full circle moment after like almost quitting literally a year ago at that same time to recovering, to telling my team I'm going to be better. And then having like the most special semester I've ever had in my life. So yeah, that was, it's, I wanted to give a full story for that. Cause that's like a cool, that for me, like that's, I, I want a lot of people to know that cause there was a very misunderstood time for me. So yeah, no, that was, that was incredible, man. I, and I had no idea um, because whatever I, I, I was talking to Johnny, you know, trying to keep up with you, but um, I, I was talking to Isaac and he was at, cause he goes to Calgary, right? So he was at the game and he texts me, he's like, yo, Mason's the best player I've ever seen in person ever. And I was like, whoa, whatever, I go check the stats, bro. And I'm like, wow, like that's sweet because, you know, like everyone listening to this, they don't know, but like, even for for me, I seen the work ethic, like we were on the same wavelength during that COVID time, man. And it was like, you know, all these investments we were putting in to get to this point. So it's just so cool. I think that, you know, even you told the story from this year or like the past year and how that was growth, but like, man, there's a whole nother mm-hmm. layer of the iceberg that people don't even know for those couple of years, man, where yeah. it's like just trying to push through, like waiting really, right? Like you were working, but it's like, hey, well, what's going to happen? Like really for, for all of us that, that were in Kelowna at that time, um, incredible story. What what do you think, like just to, to give some, some things, because obviously you were in flow, peak flow, that performance and really mm-hmm. that whole time period, what were some things that help you get there obviously like you you had to do a bunch of deep emotional work but was there anything that you could give you know the the people listening to to get them to flow and in in their zone like you were man it's interesting like I'll start with like that that big game in Calgary because Mike Tyson talks about it a lot which is cool he talks about like when he was about to fight everyone saw him as this monster who loved it but he really was afraid before every fight and like he was this big he always calls himself this big scaredy cat like it's it's funny listening to him talk and the entire year I was playing I hated basketball man I hated playing like I never wanted to be on the floor at all um and then once 
I made that commitment to myself that, yo, if I miss a shot, who cares if people are judging me? Who cares if I don't play well? I'm playing for God. I'm not playing for anyone else. Like I, I, I'm playing for that little kid who is in the driveway. Like stop, stop worrying about performance. Stop worrying about your goals because we all have goals. Everyone has goals. But the guys who usually get their goals are the ones that stop worrying about if they're going to get it. And the guys who are just so present and so immersed into what's going on. Um, so when I made that commitment to my team, it was like not only a commitment to the team, but as a commitment to myself to like, yo, it's just like you're trying so hard to show love to all these other people. When are you going to show love to yourself and the thing that you love? So I was like, when I when I really had that conversation with myself, I realized, like, man, I put so much time and effort to be good at something that I've lost the true purpose of why I'm doing it in the first place. So I just tried to enjoy every second on the floor. I tried to enjoy being around my team. I tried to enjoy all the wins that we would have. I tried to enjoy the, the camaraderie we would build. And I stopped. And, and before that, I was always worried about like, why is this guy doing this? Why is that person judging me? Why is this person missing shots? Why is this person running something else? Like I was so focused on anything negative. And I realized it was just my perception of everything changed. And so my joy of the game started to come back. And when my joy of the game started coming back, my mind stopped worrying about messing up. And like, if you're talking about from a performance standpoint, that's one huge thing is I was reading this book um, and it's not even a sports performance book. It's called, um, um, I think I have it right here, but uh, Victor Frankl, I think it's this man's search for meaning. And it's like a really well-known philosophy book. Um, but he talks about how he uses, it's kind of a weird example, but he uses um, this example of sexual performance. Actually, there's a better example. There's, he uses this guy who perspires every time he talks or has like communications with people. So he would get anxiety because he was afraid he was going to sweat through his shirt. And it was this biological response that he couldn't control. And what he did was he got the guy to imagine that instead of hoping to not sweat, he told him to go into every conversation, hoping he would sweat 10 times more than he's ever sweated before. <laughs> and he played that mental trick with him. And he's like, wow, I just went into this conversation trying to sweat more than I ever have before and he didn't sweat and he never sweat ever again and it killed his entire uh, perspiration issue and it was funny because I used that example to explain it with mine because I had like extreme performance anxiety the whole first semester and then I just went in like man honestly I realized if I play really bad and play as hard as I can if anything it's a win-win with God like I think God would rather me play really bad and perform as well and, and or play as hard as I can and handle it the right way than if I played really well and got a, got a big ego and all that. So I started looking at it from like, hey, maybe it's a good thing if I play bad and I can handle it well. Maybe God will be really impressed with me or whatever. And just that little mental twist took all the pressure off my shoulders, all the pressure off my shoulders. And so all I started to notice when I was in that flow state, everything just started happening perfectly. Like I envisioned everything that was happening was just happening perfectly. Everything that would come my way was perfect step in the journey. And then when that Calgary game came along, it was like the ultimate peak flow state, bro. Like I was sitting there like, I don't care what happens. I don't care if I miss every shot. I'm just trying to impress God. Like I'm just trying to give him all my effort. And then I start, the game started. And this is one thing I can't explain. I can just tell you it's like a symptom. Like you probably read it all the time in these books, bro. It just slowed down. Everything just went slow motion. 
I can't remember a single play, but I just know everything. It was the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. Like the most joy I've ever had playing a basketball game. And it felt like I was painting like a picture on a canvas. Like it was just, yeah, it was the most beautiful feeling I've ever had. So. Pro basketball. League. Oh yeah. So yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Cause I think it's growing like crazy. I know you've had a couple crazy games. Like yeah. you played against J Cole, right. And like Drake was there and stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Talk a little bit about that, because I think that I really do. And I've been talking to Johnny about that, too. I think that that's kind of the, the future of things. And, um, you know, just talk about like your because it was last year, your first year in there. So uh, my first year was in 2019. OK. And people don't know about that because it was kind of like. I was kind of like a red shirt guy. Like I, I got drafted by the bandits and I dressed for like two, three games, played like two minutes max. Um, but just being around the culture was huge for me. Um, and so when I found out last year or last summer that the bandits wanted me again, I was super excited, um, but didn't end up going to bandits. I ended up going to Newfoundland, which was a big, big change. Um, but words cannot explain like what that experience was for me not as just like a basketball player but as a human being like what it forced me to turn into as far as like a man and as a competitor and uh the experiences I had were just like I'm so grateful for them all like uh, yeah yeah like it it's it was everything I could have dreamt of and it's crazy because um he, God always says he'll give you like he'll give you exactly what you need um and people always tell me people always used to tell me like just keep working because his blessings will like for sure exceed your expectations um and when I was like in that tough spot I was thinking like okay like what could possibly come from this like what could exceed my expect like I want to go to the NBA like that's those expectations are pretty high man like I don't know like if I get the NBA that'll be like amazing but like yeah like it was almost like I played these like little thought games with them and um but going from I was expecting to be a, a like a red shirt situation same one as my 2019 I go to Newfoundland literally the reason why I went to Newfoundland was because I found out the head coach Patrick Ewing Jr. was like uh he, he was big on faith and he had like a 400 day streak in the bible app so that was literally what brought me to go there like I would have stayed in bandits but I was like man ever since I started following God first my life's been beautiful um, so I put God first there and I was like, shoot, if I have to go all the way across the country for God, I'll do it, man. Like, uh, so I went all the way out there and it was just like the perfect fit. Like I, I, I'm going in there thinking maybe I'll be able to dress and then training camps go by and I'm just being a dog on defense, trying to do whatever I can to, to show the coaches what I, what, what, where my value is. And I ended up becoming our best, one of our best defenders. And then I became one of our best shooters from the wing. Um, first game goes by, I do really well with my minutes. And then second game, I find out I'm starting. And keep in mind, like, I'm on a team with an NBA player. Every other, almost every other starting point guard in the league plays or played in the NBA. And I'm on a team with like high, high level professionals, not just like any level pros. Like these guys are all the best of the best. So I'm sitting there like I literally had this moment where I went to this like little like uh, park near my house and just prayed to God. I asked looking at God I'm like, man, like. How like. How did you do this? Like, 
how did you get this kid who's from Trinity Western all the way out here? And now I'm starting on one of the, in one of the best leagues in the world. Um, and I just had a lot of beautiful moments. And then, like you said, like, so the second game I find out I'm starting, well, the third game, I find out I'm starting against Jalen Harris playing against J Cole and Drake's on the sidelines and like actors, rappers. And I'm like, bro, this is surreal. Like we just, we, we were just in Kelowna together, like training at the Apple bowl. Like there's not, never been a pro from Kelowna. Like it was a surreal bro. Like I'm sitting there, like J Cole was guarding me for five minutes and I'm looking there like, how did I, and like, I had a moment in the game, like I'm trying to keep the Mamba mentality, like Kobe competitor in me, but I'm sitting there like, bro, like, this is crazy. Like this is really happening. And then, uh, yeah, ever since then, I've just, I just, every possession, like I just wanted to soak it up as much as I could, like the special moments that came and, and now I'm in such a unique position because I had it like the sky's the limit now. Like I went from everything being done to anything's possible in, in a, literally one year. So. Yeah. Crazy. That's really, really cool. Yeah. What advice would you give to, because obviously the NBA is kind of like a, it, it's a, it's a very big goal. It's like a Goliath, especially like you're right there now, but back then yes. when you're in Kelowna, it's, it's a, it's a Goliath goal. What advice would you give to yeah. the kids out there or anyone that really like has that in front of them? And how did you stay so committed? I'm sure it's one of those things where instead of it intimidating you, it excited you, but how did you, like you said, like reframe or like, how'd you frame that in your mind to continue on this, this yeah. difficult path? Uh, man, you have to, you, you, you can't leave any room up to chance. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if this is actually, no, this is very applicable. So I, like, I'm a big philosophy guy. Um, and I can't even remember exactly how it goes, but there's this philosophy slash, uh, um, can't remember what it's called, but it's like a prayer. And it goes, um, allow you to know what's out of your control. Or it's like, leave what's out of your control to God, have the courage to change what you can control and have the understanding to know the difference. And it's beautiful because Everyone talks about control what you can control, um, but I don't think enough people talk about figuring out what you truly can control and can't control. Um, and for example, like all these people ask me, like, why do you read these psych? Because uh, I don't just read sports performance books. I read like Carl Jung, psychoanalytics. Like I, I learn about like alchemy. Like it's funny, I'm wearing a shirt, but like I learned about alchemy from like the 14, 1500s. I learned about all these old philosophies, just trying to understand how the great warriors in the past, how they approached situations, um, how they approached the game. And then from a physical standpoint, I became my own physio. I became my own doctor. Like I became my, and people are like, that's immature. Or that's, <laughs> that's naive. Like you're not a professional. I'm like, well, I made one of the biggest athletic transformations I've ever seen. I fixed injuries that all the, uh, the specialists told me are untreatable and I'd have to quit the game to, to be okay again. Like I overcame so many impossible barriers that were out of my control until I've realized there are so many variables I'm not touching that I could touch. And so I was like, let's not write it off until I 
at least look into those variables. And it's funny because I looked into those variables and I overcame all those immovable obstacles. And I just thought it was really interesting because if I could say anything, if you want to make, if you have one of those crazy goals, you have to, you cannot leave anything up for chance and you have to spend more time than you've ever thought about what else can I control? Like literally, like you have to, if there's a sock on your bedroom floor and it's, and your room's messy, that could be the difference between you going to the NBA and you not like literally you have to be crazy. Like you have to have, like, you have to find a way to be crazy, but you also have to find a way to like control it. Um, so I'd tell people like, man, you're going to be crazy to make it like, you, like, and people are just like, Oh, you got to be crazy to make it like, no, you're literally going to have people look at you. Like you're not good in the brain. Like you have to get used to that. Like dead ass. Like you got to get used to that. Um, and I'll tell people like the physical, spiritual, mental, like you have to be a master at all of those areas of yourself. Like you really have to control everything you can control if you want to make it there. Because if you don't, if you get 97% of it, you're going to fall short. So, yeah, that's oh, probably the best. That. I love that. And that's funny too, because like I tell, there's a lot of people here, they see me and think I'm crazy. And um, mm -hmm. I tell them, I'm like, there's only a couple other people, but I tell them about you and stuff. And I think it's just so uh, true. Like, dude, it's so true though. Like you really do have to be crazy to reach the peak of whatever endeavor you're in. And it's like that obsessive um, nature, yeah. you know, of like 100%. trying to create an impact. So one interesting thing you talked about there too is like, yeah, so you're kind of getting into that obsessive stuff. And this is one thing I really want to talk about with you because when I was, you know, closest to you talking to you, that you were freaking, I thought I was detailed. You were overanalyzing mm -hmm. everything and maybe it wasn't even overanalyzing, but um, how do you balance that? Like so unbelievably detailed with also just like sometimes just having that urgency and being like, okay, I just got to take action. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, yeah. you know, your journey kind of along with that. Cause I know we used to talk about, we just, you just look at a wall and like work through things in your head and stuff. Yeah. Um, but just talk a little bit about that. Uh, sorry, you said, how do I balance taking action and the details or just talk yeah, about like, like the attention to detail part? Yeah. Like just how do you, and you can talk about really the de how you approach the details. Cause you're unlike anyone I've ever met. But I just want to know, because obviously you have to have that balance in order to be great, yeah. because you can't just sit around and just think. Of course, of course. Well, that's a that's a good question. Um, I like that question, because this is one I think about a lot, actually, because there's it's funny because you have the people that sit there and they talk about, you know, you just got to think good thoughts and manifest your future and good things will happen. Then you have the people that are extreme workhorses and just run into brick walls, but they don't think about why are they running into the brick wall? Why can't they just walk around it and find out there's a door right there that will give you a better key? Like that's, so that's kind of the game I played with myself for a long time, but I realized um, there's certain areas of your life to pay extreme attention to detail. And then there's other areas of your life that deserve no attention. Um, so that's one thing that would help. Like uh, I had a coach, Doug Plum, who's just like us, man. Like he's like a, he's got a brand called grit and he's just built himself off pure, like determination, hard work, courage and all that. And, um, I remember he, I was, I went vegan for a while cause I wanted to see what it was like. So I tried going vegan diet and he sat there and he's like, man, why are you wasting all your time doing that? And I was like, what do you mean wasting my time? He's like, he said, so I can't remember the term he used, but he's like, if you're trying to get to where you want to get to, you have to make sure every minute of your day is spent doing the most productive thing in relation to your goal. And I was like, hmm, he's like, you going big, vegan, it's going to 
up your cooking time. It's going to up your cleaning time. You're going to have to be more aware of what you're putting in your body. So it's going to take you three times longer to make food. And he just broke it down to me. I was like, man, like that's actually facts. Like I don't have time to be doing that right now. Like I, he's just, he's right. Um, so that was one thing I learned is like, I used to pay crazy attention to detail to some things that wouldn't matter. And he helped me refine that. Um, but the other thing too is fam, if you don't pay crazy attention to detail, like you have to be obsessive over it because like, this is kind of like, I'll get into it too later with like your last question that you sent me too. But um, like, for example, I've met so many people, like people now, this is a great way to put it. I, people now come up to me and they're like, bro, like you look like you have it all. Like, what do you mean? Like, you just look like you were built to be a genetic freak. And like, they think I'm some genetic freak. And I look at them. It's so funny. Cause I remember I was with you in that little, French gym or it was like a church gym with Johnny one day and I was telling you about how you heel strike first and how you would go up under the ball your foot a certain way and um that was the first time you were like bro how did you break the break it down like that and I always did that with myself because I used to not be able to jump off two feet and I used to be extremely bad at certain movements and then I watched in slow mode myself and I watched the way my heel hit the ground and then I watched certain muscles that would activate I watched the timing of my jump shot and I would just spend so much time answering these like, really important questions that people leave up to chance. Like people are, would rather be envious uh, and call someone a genetic freak than to realize, yo, maybe he just put himself together perfectly after taking himself apart. And so the reason why I was so obsessed about details was because if you're gonna take yourself apart to reinvent yourself, there's a very good chance that you might mess up even more than your friend first self if that makes sense so i was like if i'm gonna put these pieces back together i better make sure these pieces fit because if they don't i'm gonna create a really messed up puzzle and if that messed up puzzle is not gonna let me get to my goals so there was so many times where i'd have like five pieces here and then i put the third one in and then i try to build on top of it and then i'd be like shoot this one's wrong like and what i mean by that is like man my positioning on the ball is wrong and i'm trying to get to the next level of my shot but i got to fix the positioning of the ball so I'd fix this detail, then I'd go back and then it would be right. But mm -hmm. there's so many days of just like, man, I'm stuck on the same question. And sometimes it wasn't even that I was, it wasn't that I wasn't getting the answers to the right question or to the, to the question. It was that I was asking the wrong question in the first place. Like that's what people like, there's so many things that could go wrong. So like when I started to see these things that could go wrong, I'm like, man, my attention to detail has got to go up. Like I've been I've been getting all the right answers, but they've been the wrong questions. And so many people get stuck on this. It's like, man, like the physio told me to just do this exercise and my ankle feels better. And it's like, bro, your issue isn't your ankle, dog. It's your hips. It's your knee. But people are too lazy to like do it themselves because they just trust the professionals to do it. It's like, I'm sorry, but there's a lot of professionals. Hey, no, I love, to, I love everybody that's working hard at their craft. There's a lot of professionals that just don't take the time and it's not their fault. They just have they're getting paid for the hour they spend with you and they're not getting paid for the result to be honest with you they're getting paid for the session so when i realized that i'm like man people don't actually care about my long term like truthfully they don't care about my long term and if they're not worried about myself then who is and i'm sitting there like oh shit i had this moment of like if i'm not my own like professional slash like if i'm not the master of my own body if i don't know it better than anyone else I'm done. And then when I did that, I realized, holy shit, the body is so much more complex than I ever could have imagined. So 
that obsessiveness to become the master of myself, I realized I have to have a higher level of attention to detail because these professionals know every single bone in the body, they know every muscle, they know how it pulls on each other, they know this. But what if I could have that knowledge and mix it with the context of how I, of who I am? Because that's the key right there. It's the context, bro. When you get the context and you can mix it with the, with the, with the understanding and the wisdom, bro, the sky's the limit. And that's really what I'm trying to do is the more attention to detail I can handle, the more my potential ceiling rises. That's what I see it as because your attention, like you're, you're the, everyone has a ceiling of potential and coaches usually give you a ceiling of potential, but they give you that ceiling of potential because they expect you to have the same level of work ethic and detail, uh, attention to detail as everyone else. But if you're crazy up here, that's just the figment of the imagination. Your attention to details up, your ceilings up here. But um, the other thing, part two is if you like, cause you talked about balancing the two, I'll end it here. Um, but to balance the two, it's simple. Like if you want to, if you have a big goal and you fully believe that you're going to get to that goal, the work ethic shouldn't even be like a conversation. Like yeah, to me, it's crazy. Like there's so many people like, man, I want to be in the NFL. And they read this book on just having great, great, like being grateful and having good thoughts. And they think it's, they can just go to McDonald's and then they can go party with their friends and then they can do this. And it's like, bro, like you believe in you for five minutes in the morning that you're going to the NFL, but then your actions two hours later say that you're going to be working at Earl's for the rest of your life. Like if you're going to have this big ass goal and you're going to tell everyone that's your big ass goal, you have to put yourself in God's shoes for a minute. Like I, there was, I remember this specific moment where this kid was like, yo, what program are you doing? Like, how did you get this athleticism, blah, blah, blah. And I pointed them to a program that was like 50 bucks a month. And he's sitting there like, bro, I don't have money for that. Like, and he never got the program. And I'm like, I just seen you two days ago on Snapchat or whatever, drinking with all your friends, like spending at least 75 bucks. If I'm God, right. And you're praying to God saying, I want this, this, this. If I'm God and I'm looking at that, I'm like, you don't want what you want. There's no way you want what you want. You just spent the money you said you don't have on pleasure there's no way you want what you want so in my head i was always like okay if i want what i want and i'm putting all this attention into detail i have to work like a kid who's actually going there and i thought about what would if i was in the nba and i looked back at my life i would be like okay what would it what would my work ethic look like to get there and i was like shit i need to be doing five days I need to be doing four days. And I, that, and that, in that moment literally was when I started doing five days. It was like my first, second year at UBC. I was doing four or five workouts every day for like a year and a half, two years. So that's, that's a good explanation of it. I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And dude, there's just so many thoughts going through my head. Like with you saying this stuff, the biggest thing too, like talking about like being your own professional, man, like I agree with that so much because I just think even even though like these people have all these knowledge about like and like you said like I respect everybody for the craft but like what is really applicable and like what actually works and I feel like there's so many people that accept things like boundaries like you're saying where it's like mm-hmm. no like and that's why you even pointing me to athletic truth mm-hmm. to change my life and just 
and, and it's not even his like his stuff is incredible but it's just the principle of like taking yeah. ownership of your body like if you really want to go to the league like and that's why i tell a lot of our receivers in our room like they get hurt and then they just go and it's like oh i'm gonna go ice and stem ice and stem it's like no dude like do research yeah. and be like okay yeah. what are these ligaments in my like ankle is did i spray yeah. inversion eversion you know and then it's yeah. like okay like what really and then it's like just finding anything you can because dude even i had like shin splints and they're like oh you're gonna be out for whatever like a month and i go on youtube and i find this video this dude is like in his freaking garage he's like yeah i just scraped my my calves 20 minutes a day boom shin splints are gone like a week so i'm like okay now if that's really like if that's possible bro then like i'm not i'm i'm wolverine like that's the mindset i'm gonna have i'm not gonna limit myself yeah, yeah. like you said like even if i do shoot for the stars and i land on the moon it's like okay well the fact that i shot for the stars is gonna push me further than ever before um i love and this is this is kind of one of the last things i want to get into here before i ask you the final couple of questions but I think it's going to be a wake up call for a lot of, especially just American people. Like they don't understand, especially not only from Canada, but from Kelowna. Um, we've had to yeah. have that crazy mindset. And I think them just listening to you now. It's like, man, this guy level of detail, like you're saying is unbelievable, but they start to see like, you know, what it kind of takes, but just give that perspective. And you already kind of talked about it, but like the hunger, because at the end of the day, like yeah. you, all this stuff just comes back to the hunger you have and like, the vision that God has put in our lives, but just talk about like that mindset, especially when you're in high school. And I heard you talk about it in another podcast where you're like, you know, you view these American kids as like, like everyone's like, oh, they're gods, whatever. But even for me, like you get down here and you realize like, dude, like they take it for granted because they're not around it. And it's almost a blessing to come from Kelowna for us because yeah. we have this whole nother level of hunger. So just talk a little bit about that and your perspective on things too. Well, it's uh, it's it's crazy because it's fun to have this conversation because nobody understands except the people that like Parker Simpson, like a like a Nolan, like a Johnny, like you guys are the only people that understand. Um, and it's crazy because I look at some of these Americans now and like, bro, even the league I was just in, half these guys didn't even know like basic weight training stuff, like things that we learned in grade ten because we had to, like dudes didn't even understand how to do a basic squat or how to do like a deadlift. And I'm sitting there like, how are you guys almost in the NBA or doing all these things? It's like, you don't even take care of your body. You don't go to the weight room. You don't get shots up. You don't. And I'm sitting there like, like in my brain, it's almost like there, there's like a glitch in the system. I'm like, how, how, because we grew up thinking like, bro, if we're not doing these things, we're not even going to make college league. Like we're not even going to make, we're not even going to be the best. We're not even going to start on our team in Kelowna. Like we have this crazy mindset and like to give a, a perspective, an example, like, bro, I was, I'm, I remember grade eight, like my dad would always like try to get me to sleep in. But I remember in grade eight, I would go to the track, um, Apple Bowl at like 4.30 AM. And I was doing plyos in the winter, like in the snow. And I would do that like a lot. And I'm sitting there like, I thought that was the only way to get better. Like I was like, if I'm not doing this, I'm a bum. Like, that's really what I thought. And so like, I'd wake up every morning and fight through those thoughts. It's like, man, if I, if I want to be better than these guys, I have to, I have to be here. I have to be here. And it was like a non-negotiable and it's crazy me now. Cause like, it's obviously I've been a bit smarter. I've tapered off from that stuff, but it's just like, I tell people 
because that, that was actually the start of like a lot of knee issues for me. But I tell people I would if I could go back and rewind that, I still would do the same thing, get the same injuries, because like David Goggins talks about the mental, uh, uh, the calluses on your mind, like the ability to wake up at 4.30 a.m. and go do that built like a monster inside of me. And so I invested so much effort and time and energy into this career and this goal that when that perfect storm of depression, anxiety hit me, that little kid that was waking up at 4.30 a.m. was like, no, I'm not done. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not finished. Like, I got, I got goals. Like, I literally had that, I literally had that vision in my brain. Like, the, the 20-year-old 20, the 20 me was like, bro, I'm done, man, I'm done. And this little kid in my brain that was getting up at 4.30, he's like, what are you talking about? Like, we're almost there. Like, he was hyping me up, like, in my own head. And I just, every day, I was like, yep, got to keep going. Can't give up, can't give up. So I really give a lot of value to like the obsessiveness when I was younger in Kelowna, not understanding what it took to get anywhere, just knowing that everyone was better and everyone was a god. I was like, man, that that was like the start of like this whole journey. So, but yeah, people, yeah, man, you got to be like you got to be different to get out of Kelowna, bro. Like, there's nothing for us out there, man. Like, there's no competition. People don't understand what it takes to succeed. People understand what it takes to be like a good citizen and like get a job and, you know, live a good life. And there's a lot of good people there, but there's no dogs, man. Like there's no killers. There's no real like next level uh, competitors. So you have to like create yourself. That's what I always tell people. Like I, I'm like, I had to create myself and like, there's a very, there's only a handful of people that could, that did that, you know? So. Yeah. Really cool. So I already sent you this, but this is a question I ask everybody. And I, it's a really, it's, I love it. Um, nothing, nothing that you've done is left on this, this mm -hmm. earth. No accomplishments. You got nothing, but you have three lessons, philosophies, quotes, whatever it is to leave to your kids. What are those three things? Mm. Okay. I like this question because um, I'm a deep thinker. So I like this stuff a lot. Um, first one. First one would be, um, this is like, this was one that always challenged me because I don't believe enough, enough athletes or people in general take, give enough value to this sort of stuff. But I, there, I can't remember who quoted it, um, but he said the highest form of intelligence is being able to be fully aware of the present moment without judgment. Um, and when I tried to practice that, I realized how much our mind plays tricks on us and how much we're constantly judging the world and how much we don't just observe. Um, because if I had a kid, I would want him, the first thing to do is to learn how to, I, I would want pure observation to be his, his normal mode of being, if that makes sense. Because so many people, especially people on this campus, like I've met that people are like, it's almost like it's habitual for them to judge and have opinions. And I've realized for my whole life that part of like that attention to detail came from letting everything, just letting information come to my head and just figuring it out and going through it and sifting through it and understanding and staying present. And I've noticed, like, I don't know if it's true, man, but I would like the most, one of the best things I ever did for my athletic journey was learning how to be completely aware of stimulus in the present moment without judgment. Like it changed the way I looked at the world, changed the way I looked at myself, emotional intelligence. Like it really changed everything I, I was. So I would say learning how to 
be a pure observer of the world and how to do that more than you already do. And then number two is having a level of self-belief that can override fear and insecurity. Because a lot of people bet on themselves, but when it comes to a chance, but when it comes down to, I can bet on myself, but like, if I do, I might be bankrupt. I might not have a house or I might not have friends or I might, if you want to make it to where you want to make it to, your level of self-belief has to override all those fears, all those insecurities. And I was listening to a video this morning where uh, his name's Cus D'Amato. He was Mike Tyson's uh, trainer. He says, fear is our best friend. Um, and it's funny because in the world we live in today, everyone just is like, if you feel fear, it's almost like run away from it at all costs. Don't even pay any attention to it. Don't even look at it. It's like, man, you have to have a level of self-belief that overcomes fear and that is able to look fear in the face and contest with it and battle it and be in conflict with it. Because I'm telling you, if you want to, like, I know you felt it. You probably felt it against Oregon, like that level of like, yeah, I'm a dog, but like, let's be real. There's some emotions in me that I'm like, this like, I'm about to play Oregon. Like, I, I don't know what it was like for you, but for me, bro, I was about to match up with Jalen Harris and Jay Cole was on the court. Jalen Harris was, he put 30 points on Luka Doncic. Like the guy can hoop, man. So I'm sitting there like, and, and take the, it's not just like I'm playing against him. Like my, my objective, my, my coach's goal was for me to be our defensive stopper because if he scores, they win. So I'm sitting there like, okay, like Jay Cole's on the court, Drake's watching. I'm about to play against the toughest matchup I've ever had. It's my second time starting. I'm a complete minority as far as like experience and like where I've been. Like I've hit a perfect storm of like what kids, what everyone would be like fearful of. And for me, it was like the first time where I was like, well, how much belief do you have, your, have in yourself? And for me, I was like, this is, this is about to be my moment. Like I turned it away from, oh my God, what's going to happen to, I'm about to kill it. I'm about to kill the game. Like I'm about to go crazy. And there was so much fear and I was able to override that. And I realized that there's so many moments in my life where I had to consciously bet on myself instead of letting fear push my and influence my decision. And it's happened a lot. There's been times where I let fear win but it's about learning how to overcome that and learning what it means to bet on yourself. Um, and the third one, I would say, learn what love truly is like, learn how to love people, uh, learn how to love yourself and learn how to love others. Because as much as being a competitor and a dog is good, um, nothing, nothing on earth can give you as much fulfillment and joy as learning what love is. Yeah, and I just think it's more important, like, to all the athletes out there, they want the secrets to success. Man, if you, if you want the secrets to success, you'll realize that success isn't just about your gold make the NBA. Success is about your feeling and fulfillment on the deathbed. Um, so learn, what, learn what, how to love others. Learn how to love yourself um, would be uh, the best endeavor you could really travel on, I guess. Yeah. So the name of the podcast is the Make It Happen Podcast. What does make it happen mean to you? What does make it happen mean to me? Um, make it happen. There's going to be so many points or moments in your career, goals, life, path, whatever it is, 
um, where someone, something, your mind, your friend, your family will say, this is impossible. You can't do this. Or you're going to need to take time off. Or maybe you should do a safe, smart bet, whatever it is. Um, and there's going to be challenges that ensue that will present things that you think are impossible. Like let's say, for example, I had a lot of injuries. I had two holes. I had holes in both my patella tendons. Doctors told me that the only way for this to like heal, at least to a point where you could walk in, is you're going to have to quit the game of basketball. And this was before everything was going on in my life. So this was like back in UBC when the things were good. And I'm sitting there like, so these professionals, all these professionals, Team Canada level professionals, are telling me I won't be able to play again. Bet. Let's see. And I spent all this time, like you said, becoming my own professional. Literally the next year, I healed them and played 30, 35 minutes a game, did the exact opposite of what they said would happen. And I've had those moments of like overcoming strict impossibilities that the professionals put on me. And I just realized no matter what challenge ensues, no matter what happens, there's always a solution to the problem. So when I hear make it happen, I just hear, I don't care what you're going to tell me. I'm just here to help you find the solution because everyone's got problems. Some people's problems are irrelevant because their goals are off. Some people's problems are extreme. Some people's problems are mental. Some people's problems are biological. But I've learned there's almost a solution to every single problem as long as it's not completely because there's some people out there that can be like, well, what if I wanted to fly? Like, stop with that but every single real problem you have when it comes to pursuing a goal that's that you know is viable there's a solution to it and i fully believe that 100 don't ever let anyone say like okay you're gonna have to cut it short here you're gonna have to try to find something else like no no if this is really you know in your heart that it's your path there's a solution don't don't cut it short keep looking don't just because someone says that door's closed open it back up there's always a solution so and there you have it, Mason Forestier, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Mason, he is going to have an incredible senior year this year. Check out his brand, Alchemist. It's all on his Instagram, Mason Forestier. Um, just type out the name that's, that's on the title here and you'll find him. Go check it out. I'm about to buy one of his shirts. I love the message he's pushing, he's inspiring. He's, he's trying to get people to be better versions of themselves. And I just love it so much. So thank you guys so much. And make it happen. Out.